welcome to the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour, and we do love happy hour and the clinking of glasses and cheers to all you fabulous women who are fully living your lives at every age and every stage. And here's the best news, every hour is happy hour. So whether you clink cheers with your coffee mug or your afternoon cappuccino, remember as the song says, it's five o'clock somewhere. Join us for some grown-up fun, interesting and stimulating conversations that will motivate, inspire, or just make you laugh. And for more grown-up fun, visit our website, The Three Tomatoes, and the three is spelled out, and sign up for our newsletters. Now sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. Welcome back to The Three Tomatoes Happy Hour podcast. I'm your host today, Kim Selby, the San Francisco editor of the Three Tomatoes Newsletters. Since most, if not all of you listening to this are people, in quotes, over a certain age, I know you are going to be inspired and delighted by my guest today, Richard Leider. He and his longtime friend, David Shapiro, have written a new book, Who Do You Want to Be When You Grow Old? The Path of Purposeful Aging. And I read this book and I loved it. It's full of stories, nuggets, and provocative questions to help us navigate the path from adulthood adulthood to elderhood. And don't be afraid of the elder word, embrace it. And a little <laughs> bit, <laughs> let me just uh, sing your praises, Richard. You are the founder of InVenture, the purpose company, whose mission is to help people unlock the power of purpose. I love it. And you have written or co-written 11 books, including three bestsellers, which have sold over a million copies. And this one's well on its way, I know. (laughs) And just a little bit about David, who is not here with us today, but he's a philosopher, educator, and writer whose work consistently explores matters of meaning, purpose, there's that purpose word again, and equity in the lives of young people and adults. So welcome, Richard. Thank you for joining me here today. Kim, thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure. I was really looking forward to this. Well, I know that everybody who has read this book or who will read this book is going to take a long, hard look at what their purpose is in life. What got you started on this path of aging purposefully? Well, there's a variety of what I would call fortuitous encounters with people and experiences, one of which I think will resonate with your listeners. And that was um, when I was getting out of graduate school, back when dinosaurs were roaming the earth, uh, I was trying to figure out what to do with the rest of my life. And one of the people that I'd actually studied in counseling psychology, which was my forte at the time, was Viktor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search Man for Search Meaning, for which meaning. <laughs> the Library of Congress considers one of the 25 most influential books in American history. He was doing a seminar open uh, to the public, so to speak, in San Diego. And I was in Denver, didn't have two nickels to rub together, but I rubbed them together and found a way to go and spend a week with Viktor Frankl. And it changed my life forever. Uh, it wasn't the only thing that pointed to your question, but it, what, what I learned was that choice is the optimum. And here's his 
liberated from Auschwitz, con uh, three concentration camps, at, weighed 87 pounds, went back to Vienna to do his work as a physician and a uh, therapist and wrote Man's Search for Meaning after he healed in nine days. And he said, the last of the human freedoms, Kim, is choice. It's to choose what you want your life to be about, irregardless of the, of the situation. He said, say yes to life. So he could get up in the morning and give someone a kind word, a slurp of soup, a crust of bread, hope, a hug. And so the whole business of choice, we now have the science, the surprising science behind purpose is that purpose is really fundamental to brain health and to longevity and other things. So the one thing I would like to start with here is that this is not a luxury we're talking about. Purpose is fundamental. It's fundamental to health, to healing, to happiness, and ultimately even to longevity. I absolutely agree with that. And I know that because one of my passions in life has always been communicating yeah. and interviewing people and talking to people because I'm fascinated by it. And then fast forward to being given the opportunity to co-host this podcast almost three years ago. And yeah. one of the things you, and I started my own podcast. So one of the things you said, I think in the book was you would do your passion for no pay and your purpose. I get up in the morning because I love talking to people. I don't do this every day, but I don't get paid for being a podcast host, but I love it. It is a purpose. It gets me out of bed. And yeah. I think that that's really vitally important to acknowledge that it doesn't have to be something for which you are compensated monetarily. Right. And as we spoke earlier, purpose is age agnostic. It's younger people, middle-life people, older people, and uh, who find sometimes we're pushed by pain and we have to find it that way. Other times we're pulled by possibility to look at why we're doing uh, what we're doing. But the point is to have a why. Why do you get up in the morning? And without that, we don't. We simply don't uh, don't do as well. I did a PBS special a few years ago. It was shown in 400 cities across the country. And part of PBS's gig was to send me out to six cities after the podcasts on the on the air. And uh, Kim, I would find in these six cities or in these live events pre-pandemic that uh, whole families would show up. The grandparents, the parents, the kids, they were all looking kind of at finding a meaningful what's next and, and having some sort of a uh, way to go about uh, making those, those choices. So the pandemic has only ratcheted that up, you know, more and more people looking at like, you know, if this is a short life, I better make, be making some decisions now. And part of it is a lot of them lost their jobs and they had to do that. So, yeah. Yeah, sometimes we're forced into it. And, right. it, and it's a good thing. But I also think now, Richard, is it, that people, younger people are saying, hey, listen, I am not going to step into a corporate job because that does not feed my soul. And I know that because I have a 30 year old and a 28 year old, both of whom follow their passions. They yeah. have not ascribed to the oh, I've got to make money. My daughter's a yoga teacher. My son's a tattoo artist. He's an artist. And they are both living a very happy, fulfilled life because they are following their purpose. And so I see it yeah. in younger and younger people now, yeah. not just people of my age and older. I think the people of my age and older now have to step back and say, oh, 
And you say this so beautifully in your book that now is the time when we get to choose what we really want to do. You, you've right. done the whole raising the family or the corporate gig or whatever it is. And now it's like, oh, what is my purpose now? Right. And talk a little bit about the default because we yeah. do become into a, come into a purpose as a default purpose right. instead of choosing. Yeah, no, that's the music to my ears, Kim, because the number one chapter, there are nine chapters in this short book with stories and practices, but the number one uh, chapter that seems to automatically people go to because there's some basic core truth in it is, uh, how do I stop living a default life? So both of your kids, it sounds like, I don't know them, but are um, not willing to live a default life. And the default life was, when I grew up, was kind of like you did this, you did this, you did this, and at a certain point, you might retire and put it all together. Well, those days are toast. Those days are over for people. And so the key today is not only how do I stop living a default life, but how do I start living my vision of the good life? Everybody's an experiment of one. And so the, the good life, you know, David and I, David Shapiro, my co-author, this is our sixth book together, two bestsellers, but our uh, book, Repacking Your Bags, has sold over a million copies in uh, 21 languages. And the um, good life, it's called Repacking Your Bags, Lighten Your Load for the Good Life. So the good life is living in the place you love, with the people you love, doing the work you love that really fits you on purpose. And it's and we know it's purpose and a paycheck. People have to make a living. They can't tattoo artists or yoga instructors somehow, unless you're supporting them, they've got to figure out a way to make it happen. My kids are and grandkids similar. But uh, so how do you go about doing that? That's really what the book is about. And it is a challenge because as you said, you need purpose and a paycheck. My kids are able to do it on their own because yeah, one yeah. lives in the UK and it's not as expensive. Yeah. And and tattoo artists can do very well. But yeah. I I like to think that we gave them that opportunity to explore who they really wanted to be. Yeah. And I have to say that I have not really lived a default life myself. You know, I tried to be an Doesn't actress. sound like it. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I mean, it, it might have been earlier. I don't know. What was it like earlier? Not so either. No, I never. Okay. No, yeah. I never oh, did. Good for you. Yeah. Yes. I did. I lived the default life for a period of time and, uh, and then made the shift. But, uh, and people say, oh, you're so lucky. I said, well, actually, it wasn't that easy. But it was a courageous stand. And so, you know, I take credit for that part of it. Absolutely. You had to make that decision to step out of a default way of living and into a beautiful, different mindset. Right. And when you, you, so you, do you work with individuals or companies? I know you work with companies too. Yeah, not, I, I used not to anymore. be a, a coach. Now I'm a writer working on some major projects and, um, so, uh, and speaking, so it's not, I don't work with individuals now. Instead, you work with all of us, giving us the well, tips that we need yeah, in these books. Yeah. And I work with organizations. I mean, uh, if you look at integrative medicine now, purpose is central to integrative or functional medicine. So I'm working with some of the, you know, like the Mayo Clinics and Cleveland Clinics and places that are trying to figure out how to have this conversation with their patients. But 
you know, you need a reason beyond good sleep and nutrition and all these other things. Those are all essential, but integrative medicine purpose now is, is fundamental. When I was doing the PBS special, Kim, uh, one of the neurologists I interviewed at a neuroscience laboratory held up this pill and he said, Richard, you see this pill? And I said, yep. I said, uh, he said, this pill will reduce the actual effects of Alzheimer's, even if you have the plaques and tangles. Will will help with sleep apnea. Will reduce macroscopic stroke by forty one percent, and will add seven to ten years to your life. And so I was kind of like, really? He said, "How much?" I said, "Is it available?" He said, "Yeah, it's called Purpose." And he <laughs> said, "You know, it's not just Purpose, but you know, I taught a program uh, a while back with the woman uh, Elizabeth Blackburn, Blackburn, who uh, won the Nobel Prize for the Telomere effect." The telomeres, every chromosome in your body and my body and your reader's body, your listener's body, has a little, like a shoelace at the end of it. And that chromosome, that it's called a telomere. If that telomere grows or say steady, you do well with health and aging. If that shrinks, you don't do as well. And what they found was that purpose actually helps uh, uh, impact the telomere effect in a, in a positive way. She won the Nobel Prize for that. So I'm, and people are saying, oh, this, you know, this uh, purpose thing's a luxury. And I went, not anymore. We have the evidence now that, you know, as a yoga instructor, you can do all the physical stuff, but there also has to be the mindfulness or the mind part of that, as well as you well know, I know. But uh, so uh, the, the point is that uh, uh, purpose is now self-evident. It's not a luxury. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. So you all can't yeah. see my book, but he, <laughs> Richard can see all the, the little stickies coming out of my book yeah. that he wrote. In fact, I just turned to the secret to ending default living is really no secret at all. Be yourself, full stop. So there's yeah. these little nuggets sprinkled throughout the yeah. book, highlighted. But the question is, how do you do that? Right. But you know what came to me as I was reading it? Because I know people my age who have either gotten divorced or a spouse has passed or they just sort of stopped living. And then I see them have the purpose of becoming a grandparent. And uh, even something as simple as that can really change yeah. someone's life, yeah. having a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think makes that so? Uh, the opportunity to get up and give and do exactly. something. Exactly, 100% yeah. accurate. Yeah. You know, the universal worldwide, because I have a worldwide practice, so it's not like I'm the world's authority on this, but I do have, you know, I just did a thing this morning in Australia, and there's, you know, it's it's not just a US-centric baby boomer type of thing at all, uh, but the universal purpose is to grow and give. So for your listeners, if they take out a post-it, like I recommend in the book, and they write on that, the universal purpose, grow and give and put that post-it on the mirror. And tomorrow morning when they wake up, ask, when you wake up, ask yourself, how am I gonna grow and give today? And at the end of the day, ask yourself, how did I grow and give today? After five to seven days, Kim, I'll tell you that, that um, not 100%, but a high percentage like in the 90s will say, wow, there's a felt, this feels good. This is a, there's a felt sense to this. And purpose is a verb. 
it's something we act, we actually do. It's not something that we just think. And so grow and give is a practice and you can use the post-it challenge as a way to do that. And uh, be very curious if some people did that and then reported back to you that they actually did that and got a result or didn't. And uh, so- well, uh, I like that. I've never seen it quite that way. I love the idea of putting it on a post-it, but yeah. I also love the idea of checking in in the evening and yeah. seeing how did I, because right. that brings your focus back. I mean, right. I have I have long been a proponent of telling people when you are not feeling great, whether it's physically or you're depressed, do something for someone else. Go volunteer, even yeah. if it's just going to the food bank and bringing some food. Exactly. You just do something. There must be something chemical inside of us, right? There is. There, you're exactly right. And that's the whole the whole point I was telling about the PBS special and the neuroscientists. Right. Is that right. Purpose is different than a goal. Two ways that that's different. Uh, number one is that it is long-term, not short-term. And secondly, it's always beyond yourself. And the other thing I would say that I think your listeners might find interesting is that there's purpose with a big P and purpose with a small P. The big P purpose is, oh, I have to have a cause. I have to save the world. I have to save the climate. I have to do. And I said, no, purpose with a small P is what did you do today to make a difference in one person's life? If you do that regularly, you'll be on the purpose path and you'll figure out what your actual, you know, a name for your purpose if, if, if so, and so I, th I think the small P purpose people, when I do, when I mention that in front of a, what used to be pre-pandemic, a group of people, a crowd, they would, oh, there was a sigh of relief that thank God I don't have to go out and save the, the world and have a, and uh, that I can just be, as you just said a minute ago, authentically me, small P, just doing what I can do to make a difference in one person's life today. And there are 1,440 purpose moments every day. If you yes. take sleep out of it, it'd be less, but you know, let's just say 1,440. So you can, you know, like Victor Frankl, you could get up every day. It may not save your life, but it might. Ooh, so powerful. When I was in college, I took a class called Literature of the Holocaust, being a oh. an English major. And, yeah. and we read uh, Victor yeah. Frankl and Elie Wiesel and all of these yeah. people that, yeah. it, you know, really have uh, shown how you can live one day at a time and how you must live one day at a time yeah. and not focus on the past or the future. And people will often say, well, I didn't have to go through the Holocaust. Well, I didn't have to do that, but it doesn't right. matter. Whatever no. you're, you're doing, you yeah. still are doing something each and right. every day. And it could be, Richard, as simple as for me, when the pandemic began, and our son came and lived with us, my purpose was to provide healthy, nutritious food, you know, mm -hmm. three times a day, mm -hmm. just to, it could be to my mind, something as simple as that. And it probably changes over time. Over time, yeah. I got a little tired of doing that. Let's be honest. Sure. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that everybody has a purpose. And, and I think what our goal in life, and I'm sure it's similar to you, is to find that purpose and share that purpose. Right. Yeah, the, the um, two things about that, Kim. One is that the uh, American essayist, E.B. White, wrote this statement. He said this uh, a long time ago. He said, um, I arise in the morning torn between a desire to save the world and a desire to savor the world. Mm. This, makes, this makes it hard to plan the day. 
And I said, well, with all due respect, it makes it easier to plan the day, not easy, but easier in that you want both saving and savoring. It's not just about, you don't have to have a cause, but that mindset, uh, what the second, so the second, that's one thing. The second point is that um, Victor Frankl died in, at age 93, about six or seven years ago, but a book of his just came out in 2019. And, and the title, and Daniel Goleman, the EQ emotional intelligence guy wrote a 10 page forward for the book. And it says, the title of the book is Say Yes to Life in Spite of Everything. Say Yes to Life in Spite of Everything. And what, you know, I'm a Francophile, you know, I've, I've studied him, I've, you know, um, uh, logo therapy purpose th uh, is part of my own training. But the point is not so much that it's this, and that is that say yes to life as you age, say yes to life as you go through your, your adversities in spite of everything. If you don't, so there's that whole thing about that mindset. And so, uh, and that book came about, I didn't realize it until then, till a couple of years ago. And I, I do know Daniel Goleman, but uh, uh, he, these were three, this book were three lectures that Frankel did when he got out of the concentration camp before he wrote Man's Search for Meaning. To go out and just talk about what he'd learned and what he'd learned and to deepen that. So not everybody's gonna be interested in this and that de detail, but say yes to life is a pretty good philosophy. Absolutely. I will have to get that book. I was not aware of it. Yeah. And I am also an improv nerd. And yeah. you know the oh, first yeah. rule of improv, <laughs> say yes and. I have taught right. classes in that. You know, there are other people yeah. who have written, Shonda Rhimes wrote the book of yes, you know, where yeah. she took a yeah. year yeah. to say yes to everything. I can't believe that more people don't just practice saying yes and just yeah. practice it. Yeah, yeah. I want to come to San Francisco and attend one of your improvs because I, I love that. <laughs> so much fun helping, forcing people to step outside of their yeah. comfort zone. Yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's that's all a part of helping you find your purpose too. Right, and right. oftentimes when I talk to people, I will say, because I've been through the coaching certification as well, is how and what, or how do you feel when you think about what you wanted to be as a young child? And you talk right. a little bit about how kids want it. It made me laugh so much in this book where you say, yes, people want, kids still want to be firemen or doctors, lawyers, but they also want to be video game creators and <laughs> well, that's the all new, sorts. Yeah. Yeah. But, this book is, this book riffs on that. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. no. I was just going to say, I think it's important to look at what we wanted to be as a child, yeah. even as we are in our elder years, because I wanted yeah, to be an yeah. actress and you. Yeah. It's a natural it. question when you're younger. It's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> well, now that you've grown up, who do you want to be when you grow old? That's why the title of this book is that. And the subtitle is The Path of Purposeful Aging. So what are the path, what's the path and what the mindset and what are the practices? So um, it starts with our own, con uh, David's and my own, he's a philosopher, I'm a psychologist. The two of us 
with 150 years of experience collectively <laughs> said, well, who do we want to be when we grow up? So, you know, it starts with a long conversation that started at a baseball game. There was a rain out. And so we were trying to figure out, well, now what do we, and we said, well, let's write about this. And so we did. And, uh, but it starts with a long conversation, but the book ends up with the ultimate conversation, which is at the end of life, what's the point of the exercise? What is this all about here? And so a lot of people as they age are obviously, you know, as we say in here, Kim, you don't have a choice about getting older. That starts when you're born, but you do have a choice about growing older. And at certain points, you know, there's the big shift from uh, youth to adulthood, but then there's this other big shift that a lot of people do not make from adulthood to elderhood. And that shift uh, requires some reflection about, and the old narrative, you remember passages when it came out? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. You know how many years ago? That was 47 years ago. I mean, talk about, I looked at it and went, oh my gosh, how old <laughs> am I? 47 years ago? It came, and uh and it created a new narrative and it was on the New York Times bestseller list for a long time because it gave a language and sort of a, a, a dignity to, mid, to the midlife. Uh, well, now with people living three decades longer, potentially, possibly, what's the new narrative? So the, well, that's what we try to write here is a new, not a Pollyannish positive narrative, but a possibility narrative. Ooh, that's brilliant too. And I think it really is brilliant how you changed one word. Yeah. Who do you want to be when you grow old to, you know, from how, or, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it's so thought provoking. And I really loved all the nuggets. Before we close, is there one thing that you might want to share in particular, Richard, that we may not have covered that will inspire people to maybe think a little bit more about finding their purpose? Well, we talk about the, the, the purpose formula and you know it may take a little time to tease this out more than we have here, but it's gifts plus passions plus values equals calling. And calling is another word for purpose. But if you wake up in the morning and you use your most enjoyed gifts, and I could define those, on something you feel purposeful or passionate about in an environment where you really feel like you have a voice. And, you know, if you look back at your kids and, and my kids are great, you know, uh, they're desperate for finding a place where they can really bring their gifts, their passions and their values to life in ways that make a living, but also make a life in certain ways. They don't have to, to, to feel like they're going backwards or they're constricted or they're, you know, it's a toxic type of situation. So that formula has gone around the world and really works. And that's, we talk about it in the book. And, um, but uh, uh, so I just, for your listeners, are you using your most enjoyed gifts? And one caveat to that, Kim, is that when I'm in a live audience, I say, how many of you have brothers and sisters? And about three quarters raise their hand. And I said, how many of you, your brothers and sisters have the same gifts as you? Nobody raises their hands. <laughs> They're all different. And I said, well, you know, we're all an experiment of one. We all have to figure this out on our own. But be sure you pay attention to your gifts 
and use them on things you feel curious or passionate about or purposeful in environments that fit your values. And if you can't do that, keep studying it because that's the, that's the elixir here. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you for giving us a dose of that elixir today. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really appreciate your time here. And yeah. again, we will put all the information in the show notes, but the book is, Who Do You Want to Be When You Grow Old? Who do you want to be when you grow old? <laughs> the Path of Purposeful Aging. And even though we are older now than when we began this podcast, I feel yeah. younger because we have shared purpose with our audience. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for the privilege of being with you. This has been really a special conversation. Thanks. Thank you so much, Richard. And Tomatoes, thanks for joining us again. And I'll see you next time.